Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Bill Murray movie. I mean, it's got to be 90s Bill Murray, right? No. Really? 80s, bro. Mm, 80s, bro. I mean, I would go straight, what about Bob, Scrooge, and Groundhog Day? Over at Ghostbusters? Yeah. Get the fuck out. Maybe all three of those. Maybe all three of those over Ghostbusters. Scrooge over Ghostbusters? I love Scrooge. Clearly. What do you think, Neil? Um, what about Bob is the first thing that comes to mind and Groundhog Day. Um, I do, I did love the Life Aquatic. Just that uh, his character in that movie was great. Um, yeah, and Ghostbusters is great. It's just I don't think of it as a Bill Murray movie necessarily. It's more of an, you think ensemble. It's more of an ensemble. I mean, he's great in it. I, I am probably not the as big a Ghostbusters fan as most people. I, you know, the movie's fine. It's not fine. Yeah, it's it's good. It's not. It's better than fine. It's good. But I, I, it, I keep thinking. I think you, you keep saying Ghostbusters is fine when you mean Scrooge is fine. Like <laughs> Scrooge is just Scrooge. Isn't even Scrooge isn't even the best telling of that story. I love his performance as Scrooge. Uh, you know, it's just that's my favorite movie to watch. I, I said this on the pod. That's my favorite movie to watch at Christmas. I fucking love it. Uh, so, ooh, actually. Uh, What's the the, uh, the better Wes Anderson movie he was in? Rushmore. Uh, Rushmore, yes. He's fucking great in Rushmore. His character in Rushmore is fan. <laughs> One of my favorite memory things is the speech he gives in Meatballs. Where he's like, it just doesn't matter. He's like, those guys are going to beat the pants off of us. He's like, it just doesn't matter. He's like, they're better looking and rich. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched that. Just watch the speech. The speech is fantastic. Like, it's as far as 80s movies for him, I mean, Stripes is probably the one that I like, that I enjoy the most of his 80s movies. I mean, are you a Caddyshack fan? Although, again, Scrooge may be in the 80s. I'm not really sure what year that came out. It could yeah. be like 89 or something. Yeah. Caddyshack is... I, I, I like it enough, yeah. I probably like Caddyshack more than Ghostbusters. What? Yeah. I feel like you don't hold Ghostbusters in nearly high enough regard. Oh my god! And sorry, it's got to be up there. Is Kingpin? Oh man, <laughs> oh, what are we doing? McCracken, Big Earn McCracken, Big Earn McCracken. What are big we? Thinking? Like, I don't want to get Munson. Oh my god, that's oh. so good. Um, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> so good. I think he has one of the best cameos of all time in Zombieland, where he shows up midway through the movie as one of the zombies. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so good. Oh my god. His hair alone oh, yeah. in fucking Kingpin is is yeah. worth the fucking price of admission. That uh, shit where he's sitting there and he's like smiling at those girls and like they're all smiling back and he's like, not you, her. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fucking good. 
<laughs> that is so terrible. Like uh, that, that that I've seen that movie so many times. Like I, it's definitely if I can go to. I think a lot of his stuff this century is a little overrated. It's not bad, but it's not like the critically acclaimed, just darling. I don't what Josh. What, so you said, Josh. You said what about Bob the Scrooge and? I would say I would say what about Bob and Groundhog's Day, uh, and probably Stripes would be third for me. Scrooge. Stripes is that. fun. Stripes is a fun watch. Like some the Royal Tenenbaums, but yeah, I mean, Rush. I love him in Rushmore. His career took a turn after Lost in Translation. A good turn. He kind of pivoted to like a, a different kind of character. Not. Yeah, I mean, it was a fine turn. I think it's a little overrated at this point. No, I mean, I'm not trying to say it was amazing, but at the time, it was it was a fun movie. It was cool. Oh, that movie's great. He won that Mark Twain Award, like which is like an American award for like comedy, like given by like. Mm-hmm. Like in DC, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Chappelle just won last year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, his whole speech saying that stuff is really good. It's funny, like it's cool. And on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and we're talking about Little Feet's late seventies hit, Dixie Chicken. It's funny with this song and with Little Feet in general. I My first interaction with Dixie Chicken was a Garth Brooks cover, which I loved as a younger child when I was super into Garth Brooks. And Garth Brooks is very overly excited about everything he's doing, but like this song had the bones of just a really fun song in general. And then, you know, as I got into Little Feet uh, when I was older, it maintains the same the same feel. It's such a fun tune even though it's about being like duped by a woman or love it highlights a good time and you know whether that's a passion and fun of a whirlwind whirlwind romance or commiserating with strangers at a bar it feels like a fun night out and it really also feels like you're getting drunk on bill street and it, it put it really puts you in memphis which is a city i spent a lot of time in growing up and that i love it also has like this hint of mischief. So I love this song. And this is like a southern wall of sound. Yeah, I remember uh, first being turned on to the song by a brother-in-law of mine who turned me on to a bunch of stuff. And um, obviously in college and stuff, it's very popular. I like this song. There are parts of this song that are instantly visceral. Where I'm, I, I find myself singing along intentionally or not i don't think i love it as most people who i hang out with love it it's a little too funky for me like it's the snares in a funny spot i'm just kind of like unless it's the meters or james brown like i'm probably pretty good on funk so um but that being said it's a hell of a vibe and i enjoy it but it's not i don't hold it i think in the same regard as a lot of folks do I hold it in pretty high regard. I think this is Little Feet at their best. Um, I think this song and the album is kind of the pinnacle for the band. It really, like, it kind of solidified their sound of kind of some New Orleans, some funk. And to Josh's comment about the wall of sound, everyone on the on the record is they're, they're not holding back, but at the same time, they're very laid back. Like, everyone's doing a lot of stuff, but it's all mixing together so well and really showcasing... It's not super unique, but for what they were, the band they were from California playing some New Orleans funky kind of stuff, they carved out a cool niche sound in the early 70s. 
Well, so Jonathan, to to your point, I I do agree. This isn't my favorite Little Feet song. It's not even my favorite song on this album, Neil. And I would say I like Roll Em Easy and Two Trains better than this song in particular. I, I would just say this song is probably more accessible, I think, than those songs. It's it's a really good introduction to to Little Feet and and like my favorite album of theirs isn't even Dixie Chicken, it's Sailing Shoes. But this song is such a fun tune and it's just such a good time and it's such a good time vibe. That's why I like listening to it, like talking about it. I mean, ironically, this is my favorite Little Feet song. <laughs> like, you know, like there does not. Once again, I, there's a band. There's a kind of band I have a, a lot of respect for. I would never, in any way, shape, or form, put them down. It's just kind of like, it's not exactly my my thing. I mean, once again, lots of ability, but to me, there's almost an emphasis on the playing to a fault, to where I sometimes I lose narrative. Where in this song, I don't, or the storytelling is a little more on the nose. Uh, but there again, this one's just done so well. I find myself singing it regardless of what I think about it. Yeah, to what you were talking about, Josh. I mean, I I would have picked another song, but I think this is the best Little Feet song to talk about because after listening to it, it's like the best of what they do. It kind of has a piece of every other song that I like, but it's all in one package with some really memorable riffs, some, some amazing playing. I don't think they're overdoing it at all. I think they have kind of like a lazy confidence. They, they really found their groove in this song, you know? Well, I think the thing is, is like, so most, most like blues and stuff, whatever, the snares on the two is like one, two, three, four. And there's a one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one. Folks, what I should have said is the snare is on the 16th note, the one e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a, instead of the typical one, two, three, four, and that jump, it just to me it's unsettling. I mean it's fun and it's cool, but it just feel me it feels like work to like dig it. exact opposite i feel like it's such a sweet bet like i feel like you could almost play anything over the top of this and it's going to sound so good and it may not be your style of pocket but the pocket they created is oh yeah very easy to let everyone shine and just kind of the dynamics they use throughout to make this song kind of right and i think special. that's that is kind of back to my point of there's an emphasis on playing here which is is of musicianship and that's cool but like I said, I but I'm not I even debating because it is good. It's just, I don't think, like I said, for me, I like other vibes. And I get all that, Jonathan, but and, and I do agree with you that this this is the narrative is more on the nose. My favorite part about this song is the, the entire story of the song, like from the production to all the instruments to the lyric to the way he sings it. It all is telling a story so well. And it's such a relatable story with some really phenomenal musicianship. And I, I think this isn't a downside to the song, but it just talks about how good the performance is. Any other rendition of the song, if you drop one part that's going on in the song, it kind of falls apart. It's nowhere near as good as what it is on the studio album. Just that piano riff coming in, it, it's really lonely. It sets the scene. You know, the guy's at a bar. And then you go into the story about being out in Memphis and meeting this woman and the way they bring in when the chorus first kicks in and the harmonies come in and they kind of take over from that kind of lonely barrel house piano. And now it's like a whole group of friends are like with you 
as you you know the night's kind of gotten out of hand or the situation with the woman and it just really lifts it up in the way they use it. and i almost feel like that funky beat cuz at first it's almost like it provides like some hesitation and then when they go to that four there everything kind of goes in, in advance it's just like the relationship sped up i'm getting drunker as i'm telling the story the way he's using storytelling with every instrument and the way he's mixing them and, and the way he's singing it in the story itself is is exceptional right so you're impressed by the way the production supports the story is that what you're saying okay yeah and no and, and i totally agree with you i totally agree with you because when i think about the song i think about the story and once again the musicianship is top notch i think it's just one of those things where it's kind of like you know, it's just like how things resonate with you and whether it, it feels like your take on something. And this doesn't qu just quite feel like my take on something. But that being said, I recognize, I mean, everything you just said that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't disagree with any of it. Let me ask you a quick question. Have you ever spent a night in Memphis? Like, have you ever gotten drunk on Bill Street? Nope. This song feels like a drunk night on Bill Street. Which is which is a very impressive to me that like a song can just put you in this one specific place, even though it may not be about that. It is about being in Memphis, but like just right by the river, Beale Street by the river, getting drunk, meeting somebody, just having this whirlwind night or whatever, it, it, and ending up in a you know bar telling a bartender about it, it <laughs> about getting you know screwed or something like it's just it's such a does a great job of creating a specific vibe and a specific time and, and place it's, it's like a lot of their songs where they're there's always a muse there's a not always but there's often a muse or a woman angelic figure in their songs and i, I love how it's so sweet and kind of witty at the same time i wonder if he ever said this to a girl i you know, before he wrote this song. Like, I, I feel like if he did, he definitely got laid that night, you know? But as far as the song as a whole, I do love how it does create that vibe. They use dynamics so well. And whether they're in the middle of a jam where everyone's playing or you just hear boom, 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 boom. You, you, you know what the song is, you know what I mean? And once again, I mean, I haven't been there, you have, whatevs. But for me, it feels contrived. It feels like the thoughts of someone from L.A. imagining what something, until, just kind of like I feel the same way about the band. That's my same issue with the band. It feels romanticized and way, too, but and once again, I'm not saying people shouldn't like that. I'm just saying it feels like a, a imagined uh, picture of something. But do you think that's because you know they're, if you didn't know that they were from L.A.? No, I think that's just the two on the, because honestly, I didn't. I looked it up 20 minutes before the pod started. And it just, it feels like a little obvious to me, but it's fine. It's it cool. Seems like, like, I know, I know, but it seems like you often have that issue. Like you want everyone thing, everyone to be completely authentic. Exactly. But like the Beatles brought blues back to America. Like that's, that's how art works. You, you use inspiration and I, I, I don't see a problem I love that they took this New Orleans sound and ran with it. I mean, they I think they really did it justice. Yeah, and I wouldn't even debate. I wouldn't debate you on that because, I mean, like I said, it, it, I think they do. But for me, for me, art is primarily about self-expression. Mm -hmm. And it, I feel like you can only express things you've actually experienced and... I don't know. I just think it's easy to say. Let me, let me say this a different way. I think it's easy to say cool things and be applauded for it. To your point, the most contrived part of the song is Dixie Chicken and Tennessee Lamb. Right. Like, what the hell does that even mean? 
who knows? Well, I mean, <laughs> they, 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 the guy who wrote the lyric for the song, Fred Martin is the credit, but the guy's name is Martin Hibby. Basically, they were staying up all night trying to write a song to the to the riff, the that Lowell George had done, and the guy drove home and saw a sign advertising a restaurant called Dixie Chicken in Los Angeles. There we go. Exactly. So, so, so yes, totally contrived. That, that is somewhat contrived, but it's still the the music they're playing. I don't think. I mean, that is difficult. The the type of like Memphis, New Orleans, funk kind of sound is very difficult to do and not do it cheesy, honestly. And they move so far past cheesy into a realm of like doing it well that it's hard to criticize. For now, being I want to be clear, like if it. If you two were shitting on the song, I can find more to defend about it than I can criticize about it. I'm just saying, like, most folks gush over it, and, and I'm kind of like, yeah, it's cool, like, you know, but there's things, there are other things. That That's all. I wouldn't just, I don't, when I first think of this song, I don't I don't think to criticize it. It's more just like, I don't think it's, to your point, Neil, like, like under the boardwalk, I don't think it's unassailable. But, like, that being said, it's clearly great. It's just not perfect for me. Let me ask you a question, though. Just because we are from South and Mason-Dixon line, and we know a lot of people that know this song because it's kind of a stable there, how many people out here that you know do you... Th- I don't even think m- most people I know out here that are not from the South would know this song. They don't talk about it. It's not no, like... No, not many. And I didn't know this song until I moved to North Carolina. And then it was everywhere. It was kind of... Little Feet was such a staple back in Boone. Like, at, especially right. where I exactly. worked. We played it all the time. Um, an L.A. An L.A. Uh, Swamp funk band. <laughs> I guess just to your point, Jonathan, I've whenever I first heard that, I love the fact they are from Topanga and they're playing this kind of music. I thought it it brought more credence to what they're doing that they they weren't afraid to just kind of go with whatever inspired them. You yeah, know what I mean, because there's so many different kinds of music and time signatures, whatever you want to do, and if whatever brings this song out of you, go for it. You know what I mean? Sure. And- and speaking of Credence, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, you think Credence Clearwater is a they're the only band southern band, but they're not. They're from San Francisco. Me, I don't know. You know they're the so. only band. They're like I would say Credence is a is is a close um, close ancestor to this band and how they and how they sound a little bit in some of their songs, not this one necessarily, but I think the thing with CCR maybe that lets that lets them get by with that for me is like. There's such an earnest blue collarness to John Fogarty that resonates with folks. I, like it, it's not frivolous. Like his points are very like I'm. I wasn't born with shit either, and that's for me the ethos of where I'm from is like, like yeah, you sure. know. So and I think he pulls like, and but to your, to your point, they're the only band. The, the Dead do it pretty well too, but uh, CCR is the only is far and away the best band at representing a place they're not from. Well, I feel like Little Feet is very earnest, too. All their songs, you can tell they're just kind of, like, been drinking for a couple of days. It's, it's all just, like, really good times or kind of, you know, I think they're really earnest in that. You know, not blue-collar, sure. but, be like, being true to themselves. I don't I'd think agree they're with trying that. to be anything else. I think this style of music just kind of inspired well, their sound. Yeah, it's not fake. I don't think hey, it's fake. Well, I think you're dealing more with in Los Angeles you know, film industry, screenwriting type of telling stories. Like, these were all great. Like, a lot of, most of the guys in this band play, were like, came from the Zappa 
came from Frank Zappa's band. Basically, there were three guys that, that right. play on this song. Another critically from. acclaimed act I do not like. So, but 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 again, the way like even like this story, you say it's contrived, but it, it almost reads like something like a screenplay, like some a screenwriter out here would write about a a, a, sure. a film that yeah. took place in the South, sure. which is fine. And as long as you kind of get the gist of the place and have done a little research, you can usually recreate that to some extent without sounding contrived. Again, the Dixie Chicken part is, well, you know, I'll give I'll give you that that that. That could the chorus, even though it's super catchy and sounds really cool, but like I think you've said in the past, it's just rock and roll lyrics. It's kind of a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> I love that rock and roll lyrics. But is there any other kind? Who's the Who's the Dixie Chicken and and who's the Tennessee <laughs> Lamb in this scenario right now? Are there lambs in Tennessee? Like, is this? <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not in the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but that being said, like, it's once again, it's it's. But you're not going to say you're Tennessee Wild Hog. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what I should have said. If you'll be my Dixie Chicken, I'll be your Tennessee Wild Hog. No, I would love that song. <laughs> I'll be your Tennessee Wild Hog. It might be the best lyrics I've heard this year. <laughs> okay. 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 So the guitar player in me definitely loves like that slide riff. I mean, the slide riff is, is fantastic. Yeah, like, I mean, that, that's a lot of fun. And I feel like that is the overall theme of the song. I mean, obviously there's the story, but I feel like that part of it is always there and always present and, and, and gives the song parameters. So, I mean, like I so said, that's just a lot of fun. The guy's clearly a, you know, a, a masterful slide player and um, mm-hmm. puts a lot of feeling. And it's very tricky for folks out there who uh, don't play guitar. With, with, with playing guitar, usually either you're playing the note right or you're not. With slide, there's a, a whole bunch of ways to play it wrong. Like you could be way off pitch, like you gotta be very precise. And to do it with that much rhythm, really takes a precision I think that that you don't have to have to play standard guitar not to say that it's better but it, it's a very high level of, of playing that he's doing there it's really cool both guitar players the, the guitars on this song are so great just little feet in general and kind of showcased in this song all the tones are very like fuzzy punchy kind of greasy kind of sound I love the slide but I almost like the other stuff better just like the mm. just that tone he has on some of that stuff just the rhythm of the guitars. Too, What's he playing? Just... Is, he, is he playing a Strat? What do you know? Do, do I think you... so. I think so. Um, a Strat with a like Sears kind of socket wrench as a slide. That Seriously? We've always famously used that, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, that's why it gets that real metallic kind of fuzz uh, sound to it. I would say even more than the guitars, I, I like I enjoy the piano. Like musically, that kind of barrel house little thing that's going on there is... It sounds so good throughout the entire song. I mean, it obviously dominates the, the very beginning with the percussion. The guitar, to me, other than the than the riff, really the one the one part of the guitar that sticks out. There's that going that little guitar riff in the well many years since she ran away there's this like just really thick i mean guitar? like that's that's paul would yeah, you that's say it's paul would you say the it's other guy. I, I, but it's thick in like a like a southern humid way 
Like, I mean, it well, almost feels it, humid. Well, it's, no, it's, it's you know? like, oh, sorry, it's the greasiest part. It's very greasy. Like yeah, it, it's just, it's well, so... Well, it's got, it's got like a, almost a Wurlitzer kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like it's got a lot of effects, but that's what the new guitar player kind of added to their sound. And at that point in the song, you can feel he's buzzed now. A few drinks in and starting to slur his words maybe a little bit. And it just really gives you that feeling, like I was saying in the beginning of, you know, just how he produces this, that one little riff. Because that guitar, I don't really hear that much throughout the rest of the song. That guitar sound. Yeah, yeah. That tone. And it's only one bar. He just gets to, like, very greasy. (laughs) I think it was one of uh, the first bands, along with Hendrix, to really embrace the singing the exact guitar lines along with your notes. You hear it now and again, but it, before the 70s, I think Hendrix did it, and then I think Lowell did it a lot, where he kind of sang along with his guitar. And it, it's so effective when you can hit a perfect, when you can sing a great note and play it with the vibrato on guitar. Like, it's very effective. Yeah, I think they they were maybe some of the first guys to bring it back, but a lot of the early blues guys like in the 20s and 30s would do that. Certainly. And it's certainly. very cool to have, yes, a, have yeah. them reference back. I was going to say, too, I do prefer the live version of this song to this. Really? Topic. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised at that. That that also affects my interpretation of What things. live version are we talking about? The, the one for Columbus. For Columbus? Yeah. Because the piano's I was... mixed. The piano on this one gets, it's too intrusive, I feel like. It's just, it's too loud. I would say the only live version that compares to this is the Midnight Special one. Yeah, that one's so good. Where Bonnie Ray, well, Bonnie Ray's singing back up on this one too, but and Bonnie Ray and Emmy Lou are, are singing, and it's just, it's such a good, it's such a good rendition of the song. Do you think the harmonies are, are, there's too much going on there or not? Which harmonies in the, in the, in that what, riff? Just in, in general. No, the harmonies like in the song. I mean, they don't come in, like, I think he uses them efficiently, like when they come in and when they're not there. Talk about the background of I think they're good. I don't think they're too much. I mean, it, it needs that. I, th- I think, what was it? Uh, Bonnie from Bonnie uh, Bramlett. Delaney yep. and Bonnie. Yeah. Um, I think she adds a. I think it almost needs that female voice in there to kind of give the girl in the song kind of a voice. It, it just helps out with the whole vibe of the song. And, and she's uh, more in the background. So she's like kind of a background figure. The dynamics make it so easy like cuz everyone's working together to create these kind of this tension. So I almost feel like the melody of the song you could almost be saying anything. It does have a great story but musically it doesn't even need it just cuz it cuz it it's such a cool sound. I think the harmonies are great. I think they're cool. I think they I, you know to your point you know, I think they do support it and they just give it body and I think the female voice in there makes it really cool too. Yeah. You know, or voices. It, yeah. Right. I, I, I agree. They don't. They don't bother me at all. I, I. I. It almost adds to that. That big band kind of Dixie. It, they're almost just more instruments. So here's a question: Is this Southern rock? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I, what other kind of rock is it? I think it's, it's just, just good. I think it's just good. I think it's Southern flavor. I think it's Southern influenced. I think it's a uh, very New Orleans influenced, or not New Orleans, but I guess that funk influenced. But and so it. it yeah. So it's more swamp. I mean, it's a, let's say it's not Southern rock; it's swamp rock. 
it's it's swamp funky like rock kind of like with some country undertones like that's what it is it's not necessarily the Allman I Brothers see I could see that the Allman yeah. Brothers don't really have that much funk in them I don't think so I'd agree I'd agree it's a completely different kind of, of of music in that in that regard yeah that like I just look at Little Feet and this song just kind of more of just great songwriters there we go musicians I don't think of it as rock necessarily it's not it doesn't have the same kind of like super loud showy guitars like i said before they're kind of they kind of understated low george isn't showing off but he kind of is because it's also like technical you know what i mean but he's not just in your face like playing big this is almost like a like a rock and roll dixieland like like like, absolutely what the clarinet does with the trumpet does with the trombone that's how they're all playing those yes. single lines. And that's what they were trying so to do. So maybe we're saying it's getting to the point that maybe this isn't even technically rock. It, I mean, it kind of is. It's, more... it's, it's, it's a cross-section of things. Well, again, like I said, it's a southern wall of sound. I mean, it's almost it almost has a, a like modern big band sound. It's not necessarily jazz, there we go. but there, there we is go. a lot going on. That's the on primary influence. Mm-hmm. That, that's there. It's rollicking. Very New it's Orleans, almost Memphis. Yes, and and there I think go. and again there that go. gets you back to that Hollywood show business. There entertainment we go, and that's cool. Kinda, it's very valid. Kind of vibe doesn't invalidate and, and, it. And this in this song in particular, I would say because there's so much going on, and because like you, Neil, you just said there, he doesn't have these big riffs that pop you in the face, but there's a lot going on in this song. But there's one thing that really sticks out, and that's the. But it's but it's not like it's it's almost weaved into just like. Because so many other instruments are playing it too, you know, it's not like a. It's not like a label. Right, that's the Dixieland part. Yeah, that's yeah. the Dixieland. The song is very loose. To be so technically perfect. Once again, know? that's that Dixieland jazz part. I feel like it's a it's musician driven instead of songwriting driven, and that's just where for me I prefer yeah. songwriting first, and then if it gets technical, well, great. But that's just, I mean, there's a subtle totally. difference. But I think this is a marriage of both. And usually you're into musicianship and rhythm and kind of messing with things and not making it milk toast. Right. You know? Where's the distinction with that's what you usually like and you don't and you don't appreciate it Well, once again, in this song, this song is the overlap. So this is where we agree. With Little Feet in general, mm-hmm. uh, it's too much syncopation. There's too much, there's too many things I feel like are unnecessarily complicated. For little be- little feet in general, but like this song is the I agree with you. This is the perfect marriage of funky technicality and songwriting. They, from that syncopation, they have such a bar they hit with every song where it would be such a fun band to be in because I feel like you could just play like a one note. It's gonna sound so good with that. Right, and that's like I would rather be an Aerosmith. And Aerosmith's not even my favorite band, but I would <laughs> I much would rather be an Aerosmith than this feet. band. <laughs> I would. I would be. I would be in Little Feet, but it, yeah. But that's just like, and Eris is like not my favorite band or anything, but like, because Joe Perry pulls in some of that stuff in his leads, but the songwriting, I feel like it's more songwriting driven. If I had to go to a desert island, I'd definitely take a Little Feet album with me as opposed to Aerosmith. I would prefer people think I take Little Feet, but I would take Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost like, I never thought about it this way. This is almost like, you know, Dixieland Steely Dan, where it's sophisticated. Very yeah, like well, technical as I was talking on about point greasy, and just super tight. And just to kind of put a bow on this whole thing, I mean, like we've been talking about, they are musicians, musicians, and it, it is very complicated stuff. But I think they use it in just the right way because they're not ever showing off. Like they use these 
uh, different techniques to create this song that, that we're going to talk about 40 years later. And I, I really hold Lowell George and Little Feet on such a high pedestal as far as musician, songwriter, the swagger that they put in the music. It seems just like a, they, they really didn't get the commercial success they deserved. They, they're really uh, like underrated as far as just so, a, a song craftsman, Lowell George specifically, and the song, just how they put it all together. You know, like a Little Feet song, you think it's so simple, and then you try to play it, and you're like, oh, shit. That should bring us to vibe time. Cue the music. Three, two, one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, Jonathan, when do you want to hear this song? Yes. If ever. You know, I want to hear this song by myself because I don't want everyone caring on about how great Little Feet is when it comes on. <laughs> No, no, seriously, no. But I really do because it's the kind of song I, I, I will, for, I will readily admit, I'm a bit Johnny's of a contrarian. Johnny's in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, but like that, you know. There again, shooting pool, hanging out. Because, like I said, it's immediately, it immediately sets a vibe. It's a fun vibe, and that when he gets into that stuff, yeah. like I love it, you yeah. know. So it's a, it's a great party yeah. vibe. There's no doubt about that. It's a, it's a great jukebox song if you're putting on if you if you just put in a couple dollars and you're kind of looking for you know it's not the first one you you go to but you're looking for that yeah, fifth song Dixie Chicken like, will get it Dixie Chicken that'll segue <laughs> that'll segue nice to some Aerosmith. <laughs> uh, I want to hear it the first time we go to Bill Street, guys. First time I take you guys to Bill Street, <laughs> and that will get us under the influence. A little bit. We've hit on a couple things, but what do you think this influenced or it was influenced by? Or what people should listen to if they like this? In, you know, New Orleans fashion, Dr. John is all over the song. Even the way he sings, just, and in that southern moonlight song she sang so well. It, it sounds yeah. like Dr. John. That, and it seems like, we, we talked about the band a little earlier, but it's almost like their version of Cripple Creek. You know, because it's, and just the way him and Levon both talk about how they love the way this girl calls nice, them. Nice, yeah. You know? I dig that. Johnny? For me, it's it's very like Dixieland jazz, jazz-ish. Louis Armstrong, that kind of stuff. In terms of the vibe of the music, uh, in terms of the message, for me, like Led Zeppelin's Hey, Hey, What Can I Do is a song that, for me, represents a similar situation in a vibe that suits me a little yeah. better. But yeah, but like I said, so somewhere between Louis Armstrong and Led Zeppelin, which is, hey man, what a great place to be. You know, I mean, that's a hell of a, <laughs> hell of a spot to be in. There's a there's a musician named Swamp Dog, who who <laughs> who who was a musician back in the '70s, but now he has a couple albums out now <laughs> that are just phenomenal, and I love listening to them. And he kind of takes me to this place. As does, uh, there's a couple country funk albums. It's really this, this kind of music that these guys are doing. And Widespread Panic, I can hear a lot of uh, Little Feet influence when I hear them play. Yeah, also, I would say uh, for the New Orleans vibe, Fats Domino is definitely my favorite. And then um, for the yeah, yeah, that the yeah, yeah. And then for the uh, also for some funky guitar te technical stuff. Uh, Jerry Reed's Amos Moses is definitely a personal personal favorite of mine. That's a great song. That's, that's a, a great song. song right there. I mean, that's a ridiculous song. It's a hell of a, that's some seriously badass guitar playing. 
you know, listen to some Memphis jug band music as well if you like this. The Rhythm Kings, I think. There's Rhythm a band Kings. Called. And there's just the Memphis jug band was a musical, like an early jug band group that's well known. So now as we uh, slide under the covers and uh, take a peek down there, what, uh, Jonathan, did you, I'm assuming you didn't listen to any covers. I mean, why are you going to, I think my issue with the covers is like, if anyone covers the songs we're talking about, like you're kind of on a fool's errand, like you're not going to do it. Like, I mean, it's kind of like, but no, so no, I didn't. I don't, I don't want to hear somebody else hack their way through the song. There wasn't many covers. I didn't want to hear many of them because it's such a little, yeah. little feet specific song. But I, I did find a version of the Black Crows doing it on YouTube live, which was fantastic. It really made the song shine. And hearing uh, Chris sing mm-hmm. those vocals, just like, it was really nice. nice. Like, as soon as I put it on, I was like, wow, okay. We can't go with this song. <laughs> cool. Well, I would say definitely check out the Midnight Special version of this with uh, Amy Lou and Bonnie Raitt singing with them on stage. It sounds great. Uh, the Garth Brooks cover is, is good. I mean, like, it's not... It's not cheesy. It's 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 Garth doing a song and doing it well, and, you know, doing it in a professional way that's not cheesy well, or like super covery, and, and it sounds good. I, to what we were talking about, how they did kind of like attach themselves to to this New Orleans sound. If you do try to cover it, that's where the water runs thin. Where it's like, all right, like that's where it becomes super cheesy because it's a oh like a, oh my god, it is uh, Georgia Steamroller, so cheesy. Paul Wood. Pretty cheesy. Mandolin Brothers, cheesy. Eric Church, Eric super Church. cheesy. Curtis Wright does basically just a pedal steel version of it, and he can sing it, and it's pretty cool. Curtis Gatemouth Brown, who I do like, an old good blues player, it just, it's cheesy. Then it's Clarence. I'm sorry, yeah, Clarence Gatemouth Brown. <laughs> he does a, but it's like a cheesy blues rendition of this. If you want to hear a blues rendition of this, Albert Cummings does one with it's basically Hoochie Coochie Man and this. It's better. That's only if you want to hear kind of a, a kind of cheesy blues. It's not a cover, but the Waiting for Columbus version. I prefer the live version. And I also wanted to say I think I feel about Garth Brooks the way Neil feels about exploded hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you can't. I like exploded like hot dogs, kinda. But In the I right setting so when I was twelve. <laughs> So in saying that, Jonathan, how does how does the shoe fit? The shoe fits, but then this is just me being a dick. But like, just because everyone's talking about how great the shoe is, I'm like, fuck that shoe. But like, the shoe, I mean, it it fits. You know, it fits like, you know, just the same old cool shit everybody else is doing. Neil. Well, I'll avoid the little feet. Um, <laughs> Obvious reference. Well, no, actually, I just realized that feet is spelled F E A T. I'm a terrible, yeah, 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 and like, yeah. that's a different matter altogether. Yes, it, I mean. is. Is that, it is. It I is. I think it's interesting. It um, but I, I feel like it fits like an affordable pair of tennis shoes. <laughs> an but you're affordable, affordable pair. pair. <laughs> what are we talking about? A, 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 a $50 that's an unaffordable pair? pair. <laughs> no, we're talking about, we're talking about. So you're in the 70s. You're playing rock and roll. We're talking about uh, pennies, JC pennies, like Chuck Taylors or something, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, probably more like. I mean, I think back in the 70s, like Nikes were pretty affordable. <laughs> but just basically, what I was getting to is, yes, affordable shoes, but overalls on top. <laughs> I'm changing the section into. How does so it fits like Hillbilly Jim, the wrestler no. from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how he fits. 
if you see <laughs> i would say i would say this fits like whatever pair of shoes i have on when i'm walking down bourbon street new orleans somebody pukes on them and i don't care either because i'm too drunk having a good time or i'm too worried about some woman who just fucked me over or took me for a ride <laughs> right so they any any old vomit stained pair of shoes you have that's how they feel mm-hmm. like. And I don't even care the next morning that's when not, I wake up. I'm like, fuck, I got to clean these or toss them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and on that note, we are going to play a version of Little Feet's Dixie Chicken. <laughs> Southern moonlight, she sang the song so well. If you'll be my Dixie chicken, I'll be a Tennessee lamb. We can walk together down in Dixie land, down in Dixie land. Whoa, whoa. My money flowed like wine Then the Lord down southern whiskey gear Began to fog my mind And I don't remember church bills Or the money I put down On a white picket fence and boardwalk On a house at the end of town Oh, but boy, do I remember The strain of her refrain That guitar player she could play She always liked to sing along She always handy with a song But then one night at the lobby Of the Commodore Hotel A chance to meet a bartender Who said he knew her well And as he handed me a drink He began to hum a song And all the boys there at the bar began to sing along If you'll be my Dixie chicken I'll be your Tennessee lamb We can walk together down in Dixie land Down in Dixie land whoa, whoa. 
The cover you just heard was performed by Neil Marsh and Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at PodGaveRock. Next week is Jonathan's week, so Johnny, what will we be discussing? We will be discussing ACDC's 1990 song, Thunderstruck. Can't wait! Ha, 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 ha.